This episode of the Outside Podcast is brought to you by Go RVing, which wants to help you take a real vacation. Okie dokie, rule number one, only stop at gas stations you can see from the road. Rule number two, don't get angry that all the cars you just passed will now pass you during your gas stop. They're not beating you, you've allowed them to win. Rule number three. Patty, what are you writing down over there? No, hey Mike, I'm just writing down the rules to our road trip. Rule three, bathroom breaks are not allowed at all. Excuse me? Also, to save room, man, let's bring the same one-person tent we used last time. No, no, not happening. You rolled over me in the middle of the night and you almost suffocated me. Patty? Patty? I can't can't breathe. Patty? Okay, Mr. Fancy Pantsy, what are we going to do then? We're using an RV. Oh, sweet. You know, last time I was at the Grand Canyon, we packed for super hot weather, and it was actually super windy and cold. But my gal's parents saved our bacon when they showed up with their travel trailer. You know, taking a shower and having a warm place to hang out was so great. Exactly. The only rule for this road trip is that we're rolling in comfort and style. RV already having a good time? I was. Ouch. Wait, wait, wait. But Mike, you're still going to tuck me in and read me a bedtime story, right? Of course I am. I'm not a monster. Yes. It's a road trip miracle. To find out more about the incredible adventures waiting for you out on the road, visit GoRVing.com. And follow at GoRVing on Instagram for your road trip inspiration. Because the best kind of trips offer the freedom to roam with the comforts of home. Go RVing. Don't just go on a trip. Go on a real vacation. From Outside Magazine, this is the Outside Podcast. If you ask people what makes for an epic road trip, you get a predictable set of answers. Open highways, roadside eateries, with you can only get it there, local food, and of course, the perfect playlist. What nobody says is the truth. That's not because we're lying. It's because we almost always forget what's at the heart of any great adventure, which is the moment when everything goes sideways and we're forced to deal with it. In some cases, we have no choice but to ask for help from people we've never met. And therein lies the real magic. Today, for the first of four road trip-themed episodes produced by Patty O'Connell that will be dropping in the feed through October, we bring you a pair of stories about what happens to us when we run into trouble far from home and make that brave choice to say, hey, can you lend me a hand? If your van had its own cologne, what would it be called? And what would it smell like? <laughs> uh, what do they say? Eau de Lens Tears. Um, and it smells like disappointment in the transmission fluid. <laughs> that giggling human is Len Nessifer. Dr. Len Nessifer, to be exact. Len is, well, Len is a lot of things. He has a PhD in philosophy, engineering, and public policy. He's a skier, a climber, a member of the Navajo Nation, an activist, and perhaps social media's greatest outdoorsy meme dealer of all time. He posts hilarious and absurd and topical memes, and then days or sometimes hours later, he deletes them. Like your local bakery, Lens Delectables only last for a limited time. Maybe that sounds silly, but it's earned him one of those fancy blue checks on Instagram. 
I don't know what that means. Am I a professional influencer? Uh, I got a doctorate and I have to explain that blue check to my former advisors and they're asking me what I'm doing with my life. And I said, hey, I'm doing stuff outside. But I would say, you know, I do a lot of things. Um, I run a company, Natives Outdoors, CEO for that and work with Native athletes and Native talent and sort of trying to get them into the outdoor industry. And I still still do a lot of work in policy. I guess at the end of the day, like I'm interested in Native people and their issues as they intersect the outdoors and environmental issues. So you never say like, oh, hello, my name is Dr. Len Nessifer and I am the meme lord of the outdoors. (laughs) You know what? I'm bringing Native culture to the outdoors. And part of the way we act or the way we relate to the world is through humor. Len's ability to laugh in all kinds of situations has served him well. When he was growing up in Kansas, his family took a couple of yearly road trips. Only, these trips had questionable timing in relation to nonstop sweating and freezing one's ass off. In the height and heat of summer, they would head to the southwest to visit with family members on the Navajo Reservation in the Four Corners. And in the dead of winter, they zipped to the frigid upper Midwest. My mom's from north, northeastern Arizona. My dad's from Detroit. And effectively almost every year from like one month old to when I was about 27, I would go sort of do this annual migration to Detroit for Christmas and Arizona during the summer, which I think in retrospect, I totally messed up that timing. Uh, should have been the opposite. Yeah. Oh my God, dude. <laughs> I grew up in the Midwest and you, you totally screwed that up. <laughs> I came in the dark times, man. The one memory I have of the Detroit trips was just how gray it was the entire time. Like, I don't even remember there being sun on those trips. Your first, your earliest road trip memories <laughs> so. are just like muted gray and cold. Exactly. <laughs> that, and then we would, you know, the, the other side of the coin in the summer, we would go out to Arizona. And um, that was uh, New Mexico as well. Like, they my, basically my grandparents live right on the... Uh, they lived on the New Mexico Arizona border, and but yeah, I'd go spend summers out there, and it was nice, you know, just getting some um, time in the mountains and herding sheep. So we'd drive out there, and it was like the same distance I think as it was to Detroit. Oddly, um, my grandpa in Detroit was an electrician for Chrysler, and I have a few of other family that worked for Ford. They're total blue collar in every sense of the word, but I remember my grandpa just like he had his God, what was that car? It was a Chrysler Omni something it was like a four-door sort of volkswagen golf competitor and he was so proud of that car because it was the car that came from the factory he worked in and um he taught me how to work on that and like how to you know change spark plugs and my mom's side of the family that entire side of the family are like ford people they drive fords that's their truck but you know in that case we were using trucks to get to super remote places and on the res for sheep or collecting medicinal herbs And so that became the other side of the coin was like learning how to do (laughs) some repairs or change tires like on these pretty gnarly four-wheel drive roads. I I guess in in both of those experiences, I was always exposed to cars and working on them and maintaining them. You growing up and kind of splitting time between Midwest and Four Corners, between auto workers and Navajo faith healers. Yeah. Those are kind of two seemingly dissimilar groups, dissimilar experiences, but combined in you, I'm wondering if they somehow created like the ultimate crunchy motorhead road tripping outdoorsy human. (laughs) 
That's 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 my that's my title. <laughs> Len took those familial gearhead lessons from his youth and <clears throat> slightly expanded them as he became an adult and started working on cars and hitting the road on his own. Patty, I've owned like 40 cars. I pride myself in being that like 5% of drivers that push it way too far. My first car was a 1991 Honda Accord. The transmission exploded on that. And then my second car was a um, 1994 Acura Integra. I beat the shit out of that car. You know, I'd spend summers in Arizona and then beginning of the semester would drive out to Kansas. I would do this thing called autocross. So I like had taken out the power steering, made it a manual steering rack, and I took out the air conditioning. I did this huge trip from Santa Fe up to Oregon. I just have this memory of like driving in needles and like being drenched in sweat. No AC, no cruise control, no power steering. Driving through the Mojave Desert, it was like 110, and I remember getting to Bakersfield. I took a really cold shower and I got in the car like still sopping wet. I had a 1997 BMW 318Ti. Well, you know, drove that all over the desert southwest, drove it to Pennsylvania where I was going to grad school. I ended up finding a 1983 Volvo 240 wagon. It was um, like a middle-aged dude magnet. I ended up getting a, a, was a 2003 BMW X5. It was clapped out for sure this soccer mom beamer and I like lifted this thing like three inches and then put on 30, 33 inch tires. So I would do these epic road trips. Craziest trip I took that on after I did that stuff is I went into, into Bears Years and I, and I drove it through this place called Beef Basin. I had a lot of autonomy and freedom. That's the cool thing about road trips. Once you're out there, you can do what you want, when you want. Ultimately, that desire for more independence found Len purchasing his newest adventure mobile in 2018, a Sprinter van. But not any old Sprinter van. Len bought a 2005 two-wheel drive diesel van with over 200,000 miles on it and a handful of mechanical issues. This thing's like 6,000, 6, 6,500 pounds. I mean, it's a, it's a big cruise missile at this point. <laughs> I remember first time taking off the wheel and the wheel's like 80 pounds and, um, you know, just it's such a pain to put on if you're just one person and, and everything on it is just so, it's like so comically huge and so comically big <laughs> that it's just like, as one person, it's, it, it's, it's like the most uh, steampunk like CrossFit you could do, you know, it's just like you got these huge bolts and you got these huge parts and then... You know, it just becomes this crazy workout. And so I think in the process, I've I've actually made some good friends and also just like, I don't know, trained some of my friends to help me become mechanics. So it just really helps, helps there for sure. Training friends to be crafty mechanics is a really nice thing to do. But training your stepbrother to be a crafty mechanic specifically for your van that breaks down often is a very smart thing to do. And you get extra smarty pants points for having him with you on a road trip when your transmission craps out during that super freaky Pacific Northwest heat dome thingamabob we had this past summer. But sometimes, even when you're rolling with your own pit crew, you have to send out an SOS signal to a group of folks who aren't typically known for their kindness. It was like 105 in Boise, and then some 
huge thunderstorm rolls in it. And then we get like a one of those emergency alerts for a dust storm. This is the emergency broadcast system. Oh my god. <laughs> End of days <laughs> like, type weather is just uh, happening all around you. Citizens are advised to take the following steps. And, you know, effectively to do this repair, you're disemboweling the transmission from the oil pan below. Like, you're taking out this huge circuit board um, that has all of these little mechatronic valve things on it. It's just kind of a, I mean, it's kind of a big deal. And the, the transmission fluid is all hot. I mean, I was taking, like, a transmission fluid bath that was, like, scalding hot. And it was just a mess. And I remember we get in there, we look at it, and we're like, oh, no. The, the bolts are stripped and so we stripped them even more and and I just put out a call on Instagram I was like hey does anyone in Boise have like a like a driveway I could use to like fix this thing I kind of put the call out and someone just said hey yeah my uh, we have this driveway and my 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 fiance used to be a sprinter mechanic no way I was like oh okay that that works out great it was really awesome it was you know kind of awkward for sure and I just was like inter- like so grateful that they were able, like lent me the driveway and whatever because otherwise I, we would have been doing this in, in a truck stop parking lot. I, I rarely put out asks for stuff on social media and, and this is one of those instances where I like I had very little options. Yeah, and it was like one of those moments was like, oh, wow, like people on the internet can be nice and people aren't assholes and people are helpful. Oh, there's actually people behind these screens that are like, great. And, and that saved that saved our butts that day seems like for you what sparks a lot of memories or like flag in the ground moments in your life is cars that you've owned and the repairs on those cars that you've done with other people for sure i've definitely uh made a few friends that way i mean it's like you're if you've played with legos and at a younger age like cars are kind of a more masochistic version of that, I guess. <laughs> more, an easier way to bust some knuckles. But yeah, I mean, I, I've definitely made a bunch of friends that, you know, we kind of work on these projects together. So it's, you know, of course, fixing my car, but I help fix theirs. And, you know, and, and, and my when I built this van, a big part of it was I left the rear seats in. You know, if you see a lot of van builds, you just have the two seats up front and then nothing in back in the bed. I can understand why people do that. It's more space, whatever. But it's just like, I think about like the times I go skiing or go climbing and it's like, yeah, actually I want to take some friends with me. I, I really value the community that's been built around it and just like the ways in which, um, yeah, vehicles and, and going places in those vehicles can bring people together. That's what I love about going on these trips is I get to see my friends all over the country. Sometimes we talk about the sort of adventure beginning at, you know, the beginning of the mountain climb but you know the adventure in my mind kind of begins the moment you leave your house you're road tripping to get somewhere like that's part of the story too yeah i'm going to be hitting the road here soon i'm definitely sort of feeling that buzz i think in my head i start thinking like oh my god i have to go through the mental checklist of like what's broken what needs to get fixed (laughs) (laughs) it's one thing to send out the social media bat signal and have someone open up their driveway for a repair but it's an entirely different beast of an issue when your vehicle completely dies and you're not len and there's no chance of repairing it what happens when road tripping is part of your job and you break down what do you do when you are truly stranded and feeling deeply alone Can the internet actually rescue you then? That story, after the break.
Okay, Mike. I spy with my little eyes something that starts with an F. Patty, if you say friendship again... It's friendship. I see friendship. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, okay, mm-mm. Now, new rule of the road trip. No more road trip games. Let's instead use the apps I was telling you about. Well, what do you mean, use? I mean use the technology, like the Road Trippers app, so we can find cool attractions along our route. And I exit for good food and cheap gas and Gaia GPS for downloadable maps of Forest Service back roads and trails. Oh. What? I thought you meant, like, appetizers. Hmm, that would explain the cocktail weenies. Yeah, I bought, like, 17 pounds of weenies, man. I even filled up a Super Soaker 150 with barbecue sauce. Patty, how have you made it to adulthood? I'm the most buoyant ship, Mike, that's how. What are you even talking about? Friendship. To find out more about the incredible adventures waiting for you out on the road, visit GoRVing.com. And follow at GoRVing on Instagram for your road trip inspiration. Because the best kind of trips offer the freedom to roam with the comforts of home. Go RVing. Don't just go on a trip. Go on a real vacation. Connor Ryan, Amitiape, Ma Lakota, Ichewichasha, Mielo, Itan Heska. And basically that just means greet everybody with a with a good hand and a good heart. Uh, my name is Connor Ryan and I'm Lakota. I'm just a common man and I'm from the Rocky Mountains of Colorado, or as the Lakota people call them, Heska. In this traditional Lakota greeting, Connor may call himself a common man. But what I know about him makes him decidedly uncommon. Connor is an elite backcountry skier sponsored by major outdoor brands. And as it happens, he's a really close buddy of Len Nessifer's. Connor works with Len at Natives Outdoors and uses his Lakota worldview and traditions to inspire environmental conservation and social justice. A big part of his job is using his growing social media footprint to organize calls to action. For example, this past August, Connor organized an online protest calling out the illegal drilling of the Line 3 pipeline through the headwaters of the Mississippi River in northern Minnesota. Being a professional athlete and a voracious activist means that Connor road trips a lot, which is something that, like Len, he's been doing since he was a child. My parents, they, they wanted us to have like some sense of adventure and ability to road trip, but we didn't really have like the means to do that. And so they, they somehow got like this conversion van from an uncle that ran most of the time had some bad fuses and you know was just a real real piece of work but you know it had like velvet curtains and stuff like that so that made it real real luxurious and like a bed that was on an automated switch and all that so we were we were taking that to kansas because for for whatever reason they decided to go east from the front range of colorado for for a sense of adventure and don't do that um but (laughs) So my brother was a was a baby at the time, like maybe two years old. I was probably about five or six. And he was in that phase where one of the best ways to entertain him was like the classic got your nose game. So he'd eat his nose, put it back on, you know, like pass the nose around the car. And he just thinks it's all hilarious. And then I get the bright idea that I'm going to roll the window down and throw the nose out the window. Oh God. And we were driving through the cornfields of Kansas and I throw it out 
and he just starts screaming just full on <laughs> just full on screaming temper tantrum because he's you know two years old and he thinks he's not gonna have a nose for the rest of his life and so oh my god we couldn't convince him that it was still there you know he'd touch his nose be like you're fine Braden, you're fine and my mom ran out into him into a cornfield after we flipped a yui uh, on a kansas highway and went and got the nose uh it's one of those stories that you can use to remind people that you know your your bodybuilder brother was once a baby (laughs) (laughs) these are the kinds of hilarious moments that create the best road trip stories and for connor life on the road has given more than its fair share of giggles it's also taught him that sometimes you just gotta roll with what comes it was a 2011 white toyota prius that i that i had for my first adventure car i'm really tall i'm i'm six foot five and so sleeping in the back of a, of a prius you know that's not exactly hashtag van life Th- that thing's been stuck in more ski resort parking lots and forest service roads that it had no business on the gas mileage was so good and i was so broke that it, it led to a different sense of liberation road tripping from colorado through utah to the to the northwest and scoring powder all along the way the food selection was subpar. I don't know what the pH of red vines is, but it's not entirely compatible with the human body. Barely making it through the night sleeping because you're so cold and your gas is so bad. (laughs) But you don't care because you get a ski powder in the morning. Oh, in the deep. (laughs) I met a guy on the lift and he was like, yeah, whatever, just sleep on my couch. And I was like, what? And he was like, yeah, like the only catch is you have to play Settlers of Catan with me. <laughs> I was eating like these vegan hot dogs and cooking them over a fire with wood. I was scrounging up out of the snow around the campsite and off the side of the road. And it was so bad for so many reasons. And it was also like the happiest I'd ever been because like what I had to claim personally as my own wasn't as important as the experiences that I could claim. Sometimes the bad things happening are not bad things. (laughs) And it's all about like how you're framing it. And in Lakota, like we have a, we kind of have like some some terminology for that, that there's like some great and mysterious force out there, like looking out for you. And it is very much a part of nature. And it is very much a part of, of human beings and the communities that you find yourself in along the way on these journeys. In 2017, when his beloved white Prius finally got stuck for its last time, Connor upgraded to a well-used Toyota minivan, but that died after just one winter. Then he bought what we'll call a well-loved Nissan minivan with a hard-driven 70,000 miles on it. But in Connor's eyes, it was perfect, especially after he kitted it out with a full camp setup in the back. Connor says all these cars, all these road trips, have allowed him to spend the better part of the last six years making connections with other people who share his deep love of the land. And slowly but surely, those connections, his athletic talents, and his desire for conservation led to his dream job, a professional skier and activist. Unfortunately, sometimes dream jobs don't pay all that well, which is especially difficult when your minivan breaks down in Oregon hundreds of miles short of where you're supposed to be arriving for a ski film shoot. This was the situation Connor found himself in back in January of 2021. 
and I go to get in the left lane and make a pass and I press the gas and the RPMs just, just skyrocket and the car is still just coasting. And I was like, oh no, this is not, this is not how automobiles work. I managed to roll into a Dollar General parking lot where I spent the next day or so. I had totally wrecked the transmission in this little Nissan that I'd bought for like 4,000 bucks. And I was stuck in Mount Hood area until I finally got a ride to Portland. I was supposed to be going to Seattle to work on this new film I have coming out this, this winter. And I couldn't even get there. So I had to like jump through all these hoops to get a rental car to finally make it to Seattle. I think I maybe had like three or 400 bucks, you know, left in my bank account because didn't intend to, to have to rent a car. I didn't, you know, intend to be there this long. I had some work that was coming up in Colorado so I could finally get paid, but I had no way to, no way to get there and, you know, no car to drive when I got home and I was feeling just, just real stuck, you know, like I'd saved pretty hard just to get in this crappy van that had blown up on me. I was at like a definite low point and I think that was, that was the first time that I cried that day. In a very real way, Connor was totally stranded and alone. And so he did something he's done a million times before. He took out his phone and he opened Instagram. Only this time, he was doing something he hates to do. I kind of had no choice but to just ask for help, which like as a man in today's world, like that is not something we're, we're really taught how to do in a good way. It was really difficult and it was really humbling just posting a post to Instagram saying like, I'm stuck and I can't get home. And when I get home, I won't have a car to finish these projects that I've started this season. And, you know, the projects I felt like were going to have a big impact for the environment and also for like the native community within sports. It was all about, you know, representation for us in, in, in skiing. And so I just kind of put it on the line to the community and was like, yo, like, I've put all I have into this for the past few years and now my my tank is on E and can you guys do something and here's a GoFundMe and here's my Venmo and that was really scary and humbling to do and didn't feel great in the moment. You know, my hope was like, I hope I can just raise like maybe like 5,000 bucks in a week. I can use like a thousand of it or so to get home and 4,000 to get another, you know, POS van and, and instead what happened was just like a total, total miracle. Connor's ask for help went viral. In a single day, he raised $25,000, which he used to fly home and buy a Toyota Tacoma. He was and still is amazed, not just by the amount of money, but what it represented. It was just like one of the most miraculous days of my life. I mean, I, I, I probably cried for like a grand total of like two hours at least in that day just sitting there and just reading the comments from people and just just bawling my eyes out and people being like we see you like you're putting so much into what you do and, and for me as someone who'd scrape by uh, on the minimum for so much of my life like that was a, a like transcendent shift in my life where I was like yo like people want you to to succeed and be happy and have more than you do and it also led to me like getting calls from other professional athletes who were like yo let me mentor you on how to get paid more for the work that you're doing and all these different things and yeah it was just a huge 
huge turning point in my life that day. And, and I think it was born out of finally like having that, that humility to be like, shoot, I cannot actually do this all on my own. Even with this experience, Connor is keenly aware that social media is not a digital utopia of rainbows and unicorns and lollipops and gumdrops. There is some weird and awful shit on the interwebs. But Connor is also keenly aware that the sense of belonging he finds out on the road can exist everywhere, even online. I've seen the social dilemma. You know what I mean? Like, I'm aware of how it can divide us. I'm aware of how it can be bad. But my experience in particular as someone who's, you know, like a native person in outdoor sports, for me, like the, the experience was the exact opposite. And it let me connect to so many people who are just like me that I never would have found. I mean, that's how Natives Outdoors started was like, it was just a community of native people who were also like, hey, we do outdoor activities that are not traditional to our cultures, but provide us a ton of meaning in our lives because we're on our lands and being outside and being healthy and being active. And I thought I'd never have another native person to ski with. I thought I'd never have people of any background who understood what I was talking about as far as my environmental connection to, to skiing and my spiritual connection to skiing that like, I thought no one would understand that. And now I don't ski alone. And like, just that community on its own has literally given me like my whole life as I know it. Do you think you could do your job, especially your activist work without the sense of community that you have found out on the road? I don't think there's any way I could do the activist work that I do without the sense of community that I've found in my travels. And I don't think I would even know that I should, if that makes sense. Because I spent so long just like upset about like, Nobody listens to Native people about how the land should be cared for. Nobody cares about what our cultures have to say about these places because I didn't have a a space to share that in. Like, I didn't even have a room for that conversation to happen. But now that I have that, I realize people are really receptive to that. There's there's this fabric that kind of uh, we're all cut from. And especially in these mountain towns and in these ski towns and I often find like you couldn't not be in community in a lot of these spaces if you have made community in one of them. And so I think like that that kind of trope of the drifter being this this lonely guy is like it's not really the experience that I see. I I see so much more of like these pockets of community kind of pollinating all these different places around the West and I think it lends to us building like a collective culture that has a lot of common values that I think are really important. There really is something magical about a road trip, whether everything goes exactly as planned or maybe especially when things go completely sideways. For Len Nessifer and Connor Ryan, that's the heart of what a road trip is really all about. That's what's opened up an entire world. I think it definitely took being on road trips and and traveling uh, for me to kind of transform my vision of what I could be because they they give us that that sense of possibility and they give us that sense of freedom. It's not this like idyllic American dream freedom. Your your freedom isn't defined by like economics. Your freedom isn't defined by 
what you own. Your freedom isn't defined by, you know, a white picket fence and a green lawn and all these things. Like your freedom is actually defined by by finding your commonality with these wide open spaces, with these beautiful landscapes and, and with other pockets of, of people who like really value those things. That's That's what I think like that the road trip feeling represents. There's just like this sense of possibility, this sense that a whole new life could draw you in somewhere, that a whole new community could draw you in somewhere. And for me, that's like really the experience that I've that I've got to have. It's like road trips and chasing pow and meeting incredible folks along the way. Like it, it gave me the whole the whole life that I have. And I'm really grateful for it. And you know, I never wanna I never wanna stop like having that that nomadic sense of possibility. That was Patty O'Connell speaking with Len Nessifer and Connor Ryan. You can learn more about Len and Connor's work with Natives Outdoors at natives-outdoors.com. Both of them are also easily found and worth following on Instagram. Patty O produced this episode, which was edited by me, Michael Roberts. Music by Robbie Carver. We have three more road trip episodes coming your way through mid-October. All of them are sponsored by Go RVing, which wants to help you take a real vacation. To find out more about the incredible adventures waiting for you out on the road, visit GoRVing.com. The Outside Podcast is made possible by the support of our Outside Plus members. Learn more and join at OutsideOnline.com slash OutsidePLUS. Outside Podcast listeners get 25% off an Outside Plus membership with the coupon code OutsidePod. That's OutsidePod, all lowercase.